Excuse me? What's your name? Patriot. Your name is Patriot? That's right. I was born on September 11th. God sent me on that day. That's why, on my 18th birthday, I'm joining the Marines. Wow, a lot to unpack there. Okay, welcome to Queer Horror Cult. We are here, once again, doing our thing with our podcast. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're talking Murica. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, <laughs> I guess. Um, no, this goes up July 3rd, and I guess there is a particular patriotic day south of the border that's coming up, so... Day after? Yeah, figure we should... Uh, get in on that uh good old american uh the american dream so to speak in these uh in horror movies mm-hmm. in recent years there's been an upswell of criticism towards the way that the confederate flag has been showing up and extremely been, uncritically yeah and um, extremely publicly I think there's been some critical discourse against it. Well, what I mean is, it, it's showing up is oh, done uncritically. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's all these accusations of uh, it being this racist symbol, and I say accusations, I, I feel personally that's very rightly so, you know, like I'm not trying to defend this at all, fuck that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose there is a certain quote-unquote heritage attached to it that always gets attached to this sort of, like, southern good country people kind of idea. Like, it just seems like it's almost ubiquitous as an image that's attached to that, which is a bummer. But but at the same time, you get these sort of, like, down-home exploitation kind of movies and that thing always fucking crops up mm-hmm. like how we live in a bible belt canada sort of thing and you see that shit everywhere here. you do and that's that's why i love in the face of accusations of racism glorifying slavery and what have you you get the rhetoric well you know it's about history yeah. it's about heritage and i swear to god here when i was out shopping one time in the right nearby I was, um, God, what was it? It was like a Wine and Beyond parking lot or something. I look and I see this pickup truck and it's like, you know how you can have a sort of like vanity plate or whatever on the front bumper? Yeah. It had a plate that was literally a combination of the Alberta, the Alberta coat of arms of our province and the Confederate flag. But it's about history, y'all. Oh, God. It's all about history. I saw that. I saw a decal of that, like a die-cut decal of that stuck on the back windshield of a pickup truck when I was walking around um, sort of near Southgate recently. And it was the Confederate flag worked into the Alberta coat of arms, but the decal was cut in the shape of a Chevy symbol. Oh, good God. So it was just like an extra layer. like 10-dimensional chess happening. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's so funny when people like 
how do people try and defend it here as it's a part we of We are so far like, north. We're, like, we're northern, we're more, the, further north than the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's kind of, like, that very tenuous, shitty argument, like, very tenuous and shitty to begin with, is even worse when it's like, we're Canadian here. Why the fuck yeah, we is this? Yeah, we burned the White House down at one point. And... Yeah, we're further further north than the the northern aggressors yeah. of the war. So yeah, they must be going on the horseshoe theory, where it's like if you get too far north, it's southern, good old. Southern oh yeah, it just again. just bends right yeah, around. It bends all the way around. <laughs> but um, perhaps the reason I bring up this image as being like just so iconic in how it kind of shows up in this very, as you put, uncritical way is it was plastered all over the fucking place in the first movie we watched. Was it like, ever? There, it was everywhere. Like, I'm we, surprised there wasn't Confederate flag wallpaper somewhere just because they could. Yeah, right? I'm surprised that, like, the Blu-ray disc wasn't, like, cut into the shape of a Confederate flag <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, no, we watched Herschel Gordon Lewis's 1964 2000 Maniacs. Uh, as he called it, his favorite of his movies, the one he's most proud of, because what was that he said in the intro on the Arrow video Blu-ray? It was about how um, seeing the success of Blood Feast and knowing that people wanted to see that kind of stuff, he said to his his, uh, partner at the time, he's like, well, what if we did that, but we actually tried and we did a good job? (laughs) I just love the, like, (laughs) bluntness there where it's like, let's do Blood Feast, but good this time. Yeah, let's actually try... And maybe we'll uh, make something you're proud of. Yeah, yeah. And he put his all into this one, you can tell, because like it even opens with this theme song that's just been stuck in our fucking heads ever since we heard it. It's sung by Herschel Gordon Lewis, and it it's one of those things that it's like an earworm, and I wish it wasn't. Because it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst, but it won't get out of my head. Nope. Yeehaw! <laughs> um, I'm not going to say the rest, because... You can't make me. I won't. I'm not even going to try to make you. (laughs) So this flick is about a town celebrating its centennial. Southern town in uh, Georgia. Was that where it was? Oh, no, it was across the state line. So it was in, was it in? No, they were on their way to Florida. So I think they were in Georgia. I thought they were on their way to Atlanta. So they were on their way to Georgia. So they were in Florida? I know it was filmed in Florida. Okay. Yeah, I can't, okay. I can remember if they were in Florida. All right. So we'll say they were in Florida. They were well, somewhere. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 2,000 uh, Florida men. <laughs> Either way, it doesn't really matter where they were other than they were in, like, backwoods, southern, kind of, like, in the most cliche way. That's why I'm saying it. And like in the that. most cliche way in that I don't think there is a single person of color in the film. Mm. Which is probably good because it would have got real racist real fast. Yeah. As if the, you know, Confederate flag being plastered everywhere wasn't enough of a, like, the biggest microaggression ever. Yeah, like, it's people walking around waving it for the, like, I don't think there was a single shot without it. Yeah. Sort of thing. So, like, it's probably for the best that it was an all-white cast. Yeah. But that being said, yeah, stereotypical of this, you know, representation of the South, but a very particular version of the South. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, obviously, there are black people in the south and there yeah. are people of other ethnicities and stuff but this was that very like white you know all old stock american is that a, is that a phrase they use or is that just our racist old prime minister's old stock canadian i i think old stock canadian is like its own kind of thing it is its but, own but thing. it's i know what you mean it's yeah. sort of the, the good uh, country people 
the real Americans. The real, as they yeah, the them, the, you know? the purebred, what generational, blah blah blah. Yeah, the Americans that like a lot of Republican um, sort of dialogue bandies about as the truest version of America, as if, you know, the majority of the voting bloc doesn't actually count. Honestly, even so much of the Democrats do, too, because when they, anytime the, the working class is mentioned, it's yeah. always this, like, white vision of the working class. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh, yeah, and I'm not saying the Democrats yeah. are cult. I just want to put that in there as a little devil's advocate or whatever, though, just so I guess that's, nobody that's accuses us of being, like, I don't know, partisan in those cases. Like, no, they all suck. Well, Next. that's just it. You could probably guess we're fairly leftist on this podcast and all that kind of stuff. Um, from where I'm standing, the Democrat Party of the United States is far too right-wing for me. Mm-hmm. Like, And it always has been. But that's kind of America to Canada as of, like, years ago. Like, Canada has its, its right-wing problems, but they've just been amplified so much as of late, it feels like. Yeah, it feels like we've been... We're, we're, I don't know, maybe maybe a decade behind the States. Yeah, it's like they, that. they drank the Kool-Aid kind of thing is what but it feels like. But ours is very like. slow acting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels like everything here, it's, it's like a carbon copy of the States, but it happens like in slow motion and yeah. at a delay. Which is an extra little kick in the pants because it's like we've seen the bad sides and we're just copying it We're anyway. just like, oh, fuck, yeah, inject that directly into my veins. Like, I want it. Oh, God. Well, we don't need to turn this into... Upward a hellscape watch political kind of commentary yeah again we've already done that yeah but, we won't do that to you again you know it's definitely something we're seeing in our province here right now and in ontario and need i go on yeah anyway 2000 maniacs pleasant pleasant valley is that what it's pleasant called valley, yeah. pleasant valley it's this little town celebrating their centennial and a bunch of yankees are they get tricked into showing up because of the detour sign. Okay, so they have this like fucking Looney Tunes looking <laughs> thing where you have that these. That was the best. Oh Looney my Tunes, god! Yeah. Well, it did. You had these 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 dudes hiding in like the bushes, and they would like run out all silly and put this detour sign on the road, and then jump back and like it was cartoonish. Yeah, it was and then so as soon good. As, like, they, the 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 Yankees fell for it and followed the detour sign. You see them walk into the road and do like a little jig. Do thing, a little like, jig, ah. like high five each other, take this take the sign away until they put it out again. Yeah, it was some yeah. like old school like slapstick comedy. Yeah, gig, no, gig. Looney Tunes yeah. really is like the best way to describe <laughs> yeah. that fucking shit. But what this centennial is is the. Uh, Good country people are always tricking Yankees into showing up to murder them because they're well, not always. This is their first centennial. Yes, but it's weird because it gives the impression that it is always. That's true. But then you find out it is the first. It's like it's tradition. It's how we celebrate. You know, you guys are the guests of honor. It's how we have to do. Like, when I this has happened before. (laughs) Yeah, when I first saw this before the the ending is revealed, where it's like, oh, this is literally the first time. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you guys really stick to your guns of revisionist history on what's tradition. Make it up as you go. If if you say it's tradition, then it must be. Yeah, exactly. If enough people believe it, then Mm -hmm. it has to be true. I guess what there is to say about this is this kind of uh, highlights that hearkening back of America to the Civil War where you get that kind of split in rhetoric to this day, like with the war memorials and the Confederate Mm -hmm. flag and all those. I don't even want to say issues because it's like so fucking ridiculous that it's an issue kind of thing, but I guess it is. Um, Relics? I don't know. But it's one of those things where you get these people that they're just clinging to what they call tradition and it's 
based in all this fucked up shit. Like, one of the traditions is the little kid goes around hanging cats and these little, like, faux lynching kind of things. Yeah, see what I mean? Like, I'm... Like I said, I'm. I'm. Uh, this is one of the cases where I'm glad it was an all white cast yeah. because, yeah, when you you have like an, one of the beginning shots is a little like fucking Aryan Hitler Youth looking kid tying a noose and chasing a black cat around. Yeah, it's like yeah, this uh, yikes, guys. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like the movie's not overtly racist beyond the uh, Confederate flag imagery everywhere. And the noose is, now that I remember that, yeah. Yeah, um, just because it doesn't have the opportunity to be. Yes. And I'm not trying to say that Lewis was being racist or anything like that, but, like, it's just that that is so strangely absent. Mm -hmm. And like you said, for the better, because this movie is not the movie you want dealing in race relations kind of thing. Yeah, and it's it's not um, one that you would really like to make some hard-hitting political commentary no no this is a goofy splattery fun if anything like that's kind of its whole aim and that's what it's trying to deliver mm-hmm. and it's weird this felt like a really good middle ground between blood feast and wizard of gore mm-hmm. to me. like the that's true set pieces were so elaborate but they weren't quite as I'm going to stick the camera on this gory bit and just sit there for the next 20 minutes like wizard of gore was yeah they um were selective, sort of, with some of the cuts during the kills to show a lot without showing very much. Yeah. So what you do see is definitely splattery, but it's uh, it's not at the behest of the actual plot. You don't see everything either. Like, I felt like with Wizard of Gore, the plot stops just to have the gore happen, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what you get with a lot of his later stuff, like uh, mm. the Gore Gore Girls especially. It's mm. like... If you were to do a TV edit of that movie, you'd probably have 20 minutes of movie (laughs) kind of thing. And the rest of it is just like, we're just going to stop the plot to show nasty violence for like 20 minutes. And they didn't do that with this one, which is why I can kind of see why Lewis holds it in such high regard Mm -hmm. of his own movies, or at least of his gore movies. Yeah, it's like a blending of gore and story movie. Yeah. I would say this one's really high on the camp value. Yes. Too. I'd say. I'd agree with that. Um, another interesting thing was, as you pointed out, it. this is one of the ones... That, we watched a couple this week like this, but um, this was one of the ones that kind of flips the gender script, where the oh, yeah. person who thinks something is amiss and mm. is trying to be like, hey guys, maybe we should be a little more cautious here as a man... And just getting yeah. brushed off by women. Right, because that's a huge thing in horror, where it's like, women being disbelieved is the root of so much of why the Suffering. horror is able to happen. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. You get, um, I believe it's the same dude who plays the fucking cop in Blood Feast. Okay. He's the main dude. And, uh, the woman who's just, like, constantly sort of disbelieving him until, like, it's too late to disbelieve <laughs> any longer. That was Connie Mason, who was the woman in Blood Feast, who was going to be sacrificed on the kitchen altar. (laughs) Yeah. um, Birthday girl? Yep, the birthday girl, yeah. Otherwise, this is fairly boilerplate, and now it goes, and I guess what what really it has going for it is that it was among the first. Mm -hmm. Because it's a... The plot would fit right alongside any number of exploitation movies that came, like, ten years later. Right. But it also falls into this tradition of, like celebration of history that comes up in a lot of american horror stuff like i kept getting echoes of um the antonio bay celebration of their 
bicentennial in the fog mm. and all that. Like you always have these movies where we're going to celebrate this township or celebrate our longevity as a people kind of thing. Like, I don't know. That's one of those things that, you know, if someone rocked up and it's like, Hey, it's Edmonton's 200th birthday. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> and just keep going around my fucking business, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I'm sure there would be celebrations. Or, like, I don't even know how fucking old this city is, you know? Given that, I mean, I know the country didn't unify for a while, but given that, I think it was last year, was 150 years for Canada. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Like, I know there were, it was, were obviously settlements and uh, provinces and various things predating that. Yeah. But, yeah, that being said. Uh <laughs> But it's one of those things where that maybe that is part of why I don't feel that way because of the relative youth of Canada mm. as like the country that we know it as yeah, the, today, uh, the, the Western, the, uh, Ill, the illegitimate settler colonial state, yeah, created in in violence and genocide and dispossession of its indigenous peoples. This feels very much like a good, uh, good uh, callback to what you said a little earlier this episode. With it feels like we're just doing America, but a bit behind the times, right? We're like just. <laughs> We're just seeing what America does and America doing it later. America too. Hey. I've always get so heavy when I'm, <laughs> I don't think we're going to get that heavy. Like, But hey, that's how it goes. Can't turn off the overly critical, everything's problematic brain just because we enjoy seeing some splatter now, can we? <laughs> I thought this was probably the best of the bunch this week. Yeah. And it's not my favorite movie by any extent. Like, Stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But it's fun. I've seen this a couple times now. I remember the first time I saw it, it was late night screening on Turner Classic Movies, and I was just, <laughs> like, a little shook by how in-your-face the violence like, was, well, okay. given how old it was. Like, I wasn't right. expecting it to... I, I might have even seen this before I first saw Blood Feast. I'm mm. not sure. Uh, but it was one of those things where it's like, wait, when was this movie made? When you see the gore <laughs> happening and all that kind of thing, so... That's true. That seems like a very contemporary yeah. thing. But it, come, it goes in cycles, I suppose. Yeah. But that's very Lewis for you. That's mm -hmm. kind of what he does. This week, we mixed up our watching a little bit in that, other than movies, we also watched a few episodes of the show Masters of Horror that was on... Uh, I guess it was Stars put it out? Anchor Bay? Stars? Uh, in the mid-2000s, and it was, if you're not familiar with the show, the idea was that each episode would be directed by a different, well-known horror director. A master of horror, if you will. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they were kind of given free reign to do whatever the fuck they wanted, and so, like, you got episodes by, like, Dario Argento, John Watt, John Waters, Jesus, I fucking wish right. John Waters, John Carpenter, which is also amazingly good, mm -hmm. like, no disrespect to John Carpenter, that dude rules, but, yeah, you, you get these sort of famous figures, and so we watched one that was very much a satire of American politics of the time, and it still feels a little relevant to fucking today. Mm -hmm. It was the 2005 episode Homecoming by Joe Dante of Gremlins fame. And what a batshit premise. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, though. Yeah. So in this one, it is, you know, the, the Iraq War is going strong. And we're at the time of the... God, I don't even know what year it would have been. Whatever, whenever the camp presidential election was, that would get Bush his second term. 
Yeah. G.W. Bush. I mean, obviously, given that the Iraq war was going on, but yeah. just for clarification's sake. Um, and suddenly, the bodies of dead soldiers that are shipped back home are reanimated, and they so they come back to life. They cannot be killed. Yeah. But they find out pretty quickly that if these soldiers are allowed to cast a vote in the presidential election, they'll instantly drop dead after. Yeah, they're coming back to life as zombies to vote. Yeah, and not as like brain-eating zombies. Like they're they're they can a lot of them can talk still. They can obviously communicate yeah. their politics. They have the look of the classic Romero. Yeah, zombie, like they're rotting. But not the behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they do have some intelligence remaining they aren't just driven by pure id to eat human brains or whatever they're they're uh driven by pure id to to enact their democratic rights rights, as americans to to, Um, yeah be full citizens it's funny this actually reminds me of a movie we watched not too long ago this reminded me a bit of death dream Mm -hmm. by bob clark because what you have is this political pundit dude is on tv and he's faced with the mother of a dead soldier. And this is on, like, this is, like, a Fox News type Yeah, yeah, guy. yeah. Um, and the mother basically is asking, why did my my son die? Because his son, her son was killed. Yeah, why did my son have to die? Because at this point, they know that they went in on a completely false premise, that there were no WMDs, there was no, like, actual threat, at least not by Iraqis, yeah. to America. And so she's basically saying, like, you know, my son went over there th- thinking that you had, you know, what based off what you have told us, that we needed to protect our country, that all of our safety was at risk, and that it was this great, you know, this for the greater good kind of thing. And that's been revealed to be a total sham. Yeah, pretty and, thoroughly debunked. Yes. And yet we're still occupying the country, which arguably putting us at greater danger long term. And yeah, my kid's dead. Why? Why did he have to die? And so this pundit guy basically does a very sort of like uh, alligator tears kind of thing where he's like, if there's one wish I could have in this world, it would be that your son could come back to tell you he supports the president. Because he's, yeah, he, that he, he's proud of what he did as an American. Yeah, proud that he was able to just, die as an American for America kind of thing. Yeah, still, it's still like recuperating that, like even taking this, this threat to like the legitimacy of the presidency and still managing to recuperate it with this like yeah patriotic yeah language greater good america rah 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 yeah and uh you're actually the asshole for asking why your son had to die so he does get his wish a very monkey's paw kind of Mm -hmm. thing like in death dream where all of a sudden soldiers coming back are they're coming back to say what they think of the state of america and the war and the president by being able to cast their vote. So what's great is that initially the pundits, because we also have this, um, you know, blonde babe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so mad because she is actually super hot. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and, and she, cause they, they're obviously going for that sort of like, very Anne Coulter, Anne Coulter, very yeah. like into in more today, very like Tammy kind of thing. Like she has the book, like it was very Ann Coulter of the time yes. because she's got the book. She just came out, but, like why liberals suck ass dick. Yeah. 
and make America a leftist jihad, blah, you know, all these yeah. like buzzwords of that that just like completely collapse. Yeah, what is it political. she says about the zombies when she's like doing an about face where she's just like, there's no, we, we don't know that they actually show any intelligent signs of life, so they're much like liberals. Yeah, something like that. And yeah, it's just she, like such a fucking Fox News talking point. Oh, yeah, yeah. But no, I was just like mad at how hot she was. Yeah, so you're, like, you're like, this is not real. This is not allowed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so initially the pundits, the, you have these these soldiers coming back and they're like, fuck yeah, man, like, they're so patriotic, they're, they're coming back and they're, they're exercising their, their right to vote, they, they should, their votes should absolutely be counted, and then the second one of the reanimated soldiers challenges a pundit on TV, basically being like, yeah, we are here to vote for whoever will end the fucking war. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, and you could imagine this would have had taken place in a matter of days. Suddenly, the pundits switched to, "Well, you know, they they're they're traitors being sent from a foreign land to undermine our democracy." And you had that like Pat Robertson type preacher yeah, as yeah, well, which was like, condemn them back. To yeah. Hell. So at first he's like, "This is a miracle. This is God Himself." Oh, and then yeah, as soon as you find out they're like not voting Republican, it's like they are demons spawn from hell and they have come to curse us and well, the end is nigh i love the way they did that mirroring where there's a scene of them on the news program talking about how patriotic and wonderful mm -hmm. the these soldiers are then we get the scene where the soldier guy is just like we're gonna vote for whoever stops the war and then we get right back into the fox news thing that's what i mean it could have even happened in a matter of hours and, yeah. and people would just be like yeah you know what they're they're right and it's like because at, at this point it's like there's no hypocrisy means nothing you know we had like yeah. an entire bush presidency of the colbert report and the like daily show doing that constantly and it made no difference yeah <laughs> so well it, it you're was, not gonna catch them on that it's perfect because there's like that pat robertson guy like you said going like oh it's a miracle and stuff then the second they they start saying that they don't support bushes from hell yeah um she says something like they're from some loser religion and then pins them on islam kind of thing right and it's just like look at how quickly they flip like when they're uh good and patriotic and loved they're such a christian mm -hmm. miracle kind so of thing. american but the second they are against their interests as a very particular version of america then they're against america yeah which Period. you know like pinning that on islam is like felt felt so relevant to today yeah to the time thing. and yeah. to today ongoing because nothing's fucking changed yeah but yeah, I just thought it was fucking hilarious how they set it up with these zombies coming back to vote. That was so fucking funny because the joke's on them. They got eight years of Obama and he didn't end the war either. Oh. He dropped more drones on, th on the global south than any previous president. More drones, more bombs. He was... Yeah, no, they voting would not save them, it turned out. Which is funny, because that's how it went in the, the episode, where it's like they realized, oh, we don't like what the voters have to say, so the voters are wrong. Exactly. And they just decided that they could discount the zombie vote, because... Well, they just start cooking the books, and they're like, eh, yeah. Bush wins again. Yeah. And that's sort of what makes, like, an even bigger zombie uprising. Because, like... <laughs> they call in reinforcements. Yeah, so people had died in previous wars, not from just Vietnam, from Vietnam, from World War II, yeah. from Korea, <laughs> They all start coming back. Yeah. And yeah, that was some good uh, shit. I don't know. This might have been my favorite thing from this week, now that we're sitting here picking it apart. <laughs> this was pretty fucking... It felt like a Tales from the Crypt episode. It really did. Like, honestly. I haven't seen any of the Masters of Horror in a little while now, and I kind of forgot how Tales from the Crypt tongue-in-cheek they could be. Mm-hmm. 
No, they absolutely were. I think I, I think there was one shot at one point where just I was just like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot this wasn't Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, was like, it that end shot where there's like the zombies playing the band instruments and marching <laughs> in front so. of that that CG'd American flag waving? <laughs> it's just like that patriotic music as the zombie with the dead glazed over look is just doing the drum thing. <laughs> that was yeah. probably it. Uh, that was fucking funny. Um, what'd you think of this one? Like, I'm guessing you enjoyed it. Yes. You laughs at it. Yes. Yeah. Still mad at how hot she was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I still... I can't be 35 forever. You're 41. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's funny Uh, that you're complaining about being mad at how hot she was. just reminds me of Brooklyn Nine-Nine when they're talking about, like, (laughs) how evil people can be hot and all that stuff. And then who does Rosa say? It's, like, Tanya Harding. Yeah, yeah, she's she's thick. thick. so good or, no i think it's the thing is jake is like yeah like tanya harding and then rose is like, like yeah she's thick. thick another thing that i really liked about the absolute fuckheads in in homecoming these these pundit types is how behind the scenes the shit that they say about about like veterans and stuff where what was it when they're talking about um having like the zombie guys in like concentration camps and stuff and one of them makes some comment that's like Oh, we can just, uh, well, why don't we just try, why don't we just ignore them? Like, we do regular veterans. Yeah, yeah, and he says it with, like, a laugh. Yeah, too. and they're just laughing their asses. And, yeah, it's just this, you know, the the love for the soldier, but the hate for the veteran. Kind yeah. of, and the, like, just, you know, this, this, this episode just really, like, you could have also just called it cannon fodder, I think. Because yeah. it just reveals, like, you know, you, you the, it's that, re- I think it was the first realization, maybe, at least of that generation, that, you had to be a soldier is to just be a cannon fodder for the empire. Yeah. And the way they talked about that, you know, that's the shit they say behind closed doors. But then you have, you know, President Trump who basically says that shit in front of everybody. Yeah. Making people very mad. Yeah. And um, I just think it's funny because, like, you know, he, he's literally just saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah. Like, I, re- I truly believe that the only, the single reason that so many... American politicians, Republicans and Democrats dislike him, even though they share 99% of the same politics, is that he is rude and he's impolite and he says the quiet part out loud with his full chest. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where it's like, and that's really fucking depressing, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Where it's just like, what he's saying isn't the problem, it's how he's saying it. It's how he's delivering it. He's he's not this John McCain figure who can say it with the civility. He can't obscure the violence of his politics because he's a fucking buffoon asshole about it. Mm -hmm. And so you can't just like... Because, yeah, I don't know, that's that's the thing I hate where... I just think of how um, recently, I think in Ontario, in... um, parliament there was a protest and some people put up like a model guillotine and which is fucking hilarious but then of course it turned into this like wow this is violent political incitement it's like okay so the government can incite violent politics that directly result in the death of our own citizens but the second somebody makes a fucking like caricature of it's like this is violence it's like this is such fucking bullshit this political like civility that can make help them get away with so much shit and yeah. not even have it coded as violence. Yeah. But then you have this like, you know, public performance art piece. All, mm. That is incitement. And it's fucking bullshit. So yeah, if anything, the one good thing about Trump is that he reveals 
he he he's holding his hand backwards so you know what every single card he has exactly like he he is he is the like imperial war machine at face value with nothing to hide and a lot of people that's what people hate him for is that he stops them from being able to hide behind civility and politeness and all of these things that we claim to value as long as they obscure the violence behind them. Mm. So basically the sort of like spin doctors at work in this episode, uh, they're made obsolete by the existence of a president like Trump. Because I mean, they'd be, I, I imagine for the first, like, year at least, they would be working in overtime. Yeah, but then it's the kind of thing where it's like, <laughs> what's even the point? Because he's exactly. just tweet about it. Exactly. And at this point, nobody cares either, so. Grim reality, worst yeah, timeline. Yeah, worst timeline. So we kept this going with the double feature of Masters of Horror, and we watched another one that was in the second season, 2007's The Washingtonians. This one was by uh, Peter Medak, who did the Haunted House classic The Changeling, Hmm. and then Species 2, which, in my opinion, was far less of a classic than The Changeling, (laughs) but that's none of my business. If you heard bird noises over that last speech, there is a crow on the chimney and our cat is losing her mind. So, the Washingtonians. Um, <laughs> we often describe things on the show as being cursed. This is the hegemonic cursed <laughs> bit of television. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cursed. Yeah. Um, so, what we have with this one is this dude, and uh, I was trying to give you an idea of who he was in relation, and all I could come up with is he's the dude who eats his own skeet in Doom Generation. <laughs> um, that's, like, my point of reference for this guy. I guess I found it after that he was in that movie, the much more successful movie that thing you do, but no, I'm thinking in terms of Doom Generation when he gets a nut and then <laughs> I thought you were going to say that much more successful movie Jackals, and I was going to be like, nope. Because <laughs> apparently he's in that, too. Um, so yeah, this this consumer of of es- holy essence is uh, he's moved into his dead grandmother's. His grandmother just passed away, yeah. and I got the impression that they're not moving in so much as going to go through her belongings. Right, they're, they're there short period. That's yeah, sure, yeah. they go there for the funeral as well, since they're the only. Uh, surviving family members, apparently. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, but also to start going through her estate, kind of tie up loose ends, get rid of her shit, decide what they want to keep, sell the rest, all that fun stuff. Yeah. And uh, there's this this giant fuck-off portrait of George George Washington Washington in the basement that scares his daughter who's like scared of everything so she goes down to confront it and just like kicks it <laughs> she's like talking she's like i'm not afraid of you i'm not afraid of you and fucking kicks it and then when the painting almost falls over she freaks the fuck out and scream oh, um but funny. in breaking the frame they find this fucking letter wrapped around a weird looking fork hidden in the frame and then he's just like oh what's this some old piece of paper that's in this portrait of washington and then opens it reads it and it's just like i'm gonna skin your children alive and eat it signed george washington (laughs) (laughs) and it's like i'm gonna make utensils out of bones i hate to say it but it seemed like seems like a false flag 
<laughs> kind of like, oh, how convenient. The terrorists left their passports. They brought them to the scene of the terrorism. Yeah. And they just dropped them for us to find. Yeah, that's where the movie goes with this. Because um, we find out it's not a false flag. It is not um, a false flag operation. No, It, it turns out U.S. history as we know it is a false flag yeah, operation. Yeah, that was a false flag. Uh, as we find out that history was a little revisionist on uh, George Washington and who he was as a person, and he was a fucking raging cannibal who ate kids with his virgins wood were teeth. his favorite. Yeah, with his yeah. wood teeth. Yeah, oh, that was just like douche chills when they like, hey, you know the story of the cherry tree? That's revisionist for he wants to eat virgins, and it's like. <laughs> so um, one, this was the other one. That I was talking about where the gender is flipped of yes. the something's up versus, no, it's all fine. Where it's the husband who was like, um, yeah, you know, things seem kind of fucked up. People are acting weird. This one even more so. Like, yes. the wife is just, like, making fun of him. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And She's normally, like, oh, it must be George Washington the cannibal and the way you're hearing in the woods. And it feels like so many slasher movies where, like, the shitty boyfriend's making yeah. fun of the, the girlfriend who's like, something's up. It's like, oh, bitch, you're insane. The other one that got me also was um, how at the beginning you're introduced to this this kindly old southern gentleman. I can't remember his name. Like Samuel Bonaparte. It's like, yeah, his name's shit. fucking Sam or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah. He, Kindly a gentleman you know, with he, a mint, a julep, if you will. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, he has his cane, he walks around, he says, oh, little girl, you're the, ain't you the cutest thing anybody's ever seen? I save a lollipop just for you. Like, that whole, like, charming, charm the pants off of you southern yeah. gentleman kind of thing. And the dad, husband man, I don't remember his name. I don't remember anyone's name, apparently. He is sitting down with this guy talking about going through the stuff and yeah you know grandpa was a big collector of american history uh, yeah there might be some stuff that's worth something and so he pulls up the letter and he's like so what do you make of this and the dude starts acting really fucking weird really, really real aggressive sketch, yeah. really creepy and so when the guy mentions this to his wife later he's like yeah i thought he was gonna like fucking like attack me there and she's like what that harmless little old man like yeah. you're kidding and i'm like oh my god how many times because mm -hmm. usually what's seen as harmless is like yeah to other white men yeah different story when you're like not a white man <laughs> makes me almost wonder if the script was written a different way and mm -hmm. they just like gender flipped and didn't do just any to be other interesting revision to the script because it, it does it feels like beat for beat like that yeah yeah so it was, it was uh cool to see that gaslighting sort of flipped around yeah so like, what do you mean he's harmless it's like you don't know that mm -hmm. you've met him for like five seconds yeah but we find out that the washingtonians are a weird illuminati-esque cannibal cult that want to keep george washington's like legacy of eating people alive and so we get so many great great shots of these dudes with these like faux british accents with the powdered wigs and the white face makeup and like the old washington clothes running around being like like y'all better open the door now. Not say. <laughs> I, I like how we both went foghorn leghorn when actually it's like <laughs> no this is like civil war era bullshit kind of thing like, yeah it all it all melts together when you're a out, cultural outsider looking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and looking in only through, like, shitty horror movies. Looking in through this kind of media, yeah. <laughs> um, what I loved 
was when he goes to the history professor guy, and mm-hmm. it's just like he goes on a huge terror. He's like, American history is bullshit. It's revisionist bullshit written by people because the American dream is based on a lie, and here's why. And I was just like, oh man, I expect him to put on a tinfoil hat. Right? Yeah, and it's, it's just so like, good. and it's a lie that so many people want to believe. They'll believe anything to keep it alive, and it's like, whoo! <laughs> Get a little controversial here. Expect him just like dunk a tea bag in his tea as he's talking, <laughs> you know. But yeah, isn't that just a great take on history lessons? Mm-hmm. Like, how many Canadian history things have we learned in like social studies? And then when you actually pick them apart now, it's just like, wow, that was some racist bullshit. Yep, I remember. Like, I was, um, I don't know, going cleaning out, attempting to clean out my room. It's never a successful endeavor. Or a long-lasting one, and I found some stuff from, like, grade 12 social studies class. Right. And I was just going to throw it out, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to look through it first. And I hadn't... So it had obviously been, like, probably, I don't know, six years, like, a while since I'd been in high school. Yeah. So it's not like it was fresh in my memory, but I remember, you know, my first year of university being really, like, how it was so eye-opening around, like, Indigenous issues and stuff, because we talked about that so little in high school and what we did learn left us with really fucking shitty impressions uh-huh. of indigenous peoples in Canada. And so, and I, I was thinking, I was like, geez, like what, what, what did that? Like, that's so strange. And then I'm looking at through my, my notes and this like test that I wrote and stuff. And it's, it was so like insidious with how they taught us where, you know, you, you learn something that you learn some Canadian history written by white people. And it's just like, oh, that's just fact. But if you read a claim, for example, the that one that I had was that um, some land that was being developed against a First Nations group's wishes, they said that this was like, a, you know, long, t- like ancient burial ground, essentially, for a lack of better, you know, like yeah. not horror associated term. And but so I'm writing like, yeah, you know, they contested this because they said it was an ancient burial ground followed by in brackets, but this was never proven or, but this was never confirmed. And so whose word are we taught to take at face value versus whose is always constantly authorities undermined. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, that's how they did it. Yeah. Any contrary story at most is just like, that's just a theory kind of thing. Yeah. And so that's like how it plays into this movie where, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the whisperings of George Washington being a cannibal, it's just like, this is absurd, and it's just like... Well, it sounds so absurd, right? Theory. Like, the, it, the movie opens with um, some, like... Hunting a woman from horseback and chopping oh, off no, her Oh, no, I was talking about the radio. When he's listening to the radio and you get some Alex oh, Jones sounding God, motherfucker right. kind of thing. Yeah, that's why they didn't tell us, because... Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's totally. just like, you know, a little foregrounding of... It's like, yeah, this is how this is going to be perceived. Mm-hmm. Um until they are literally in the what is it the dining lodge of George Washington <laughs> kind of thing, the Red Inferno. Yeah. Oh, this was a this was a doozy <laughs> for many reasons. Um, what did you think of this one? It was funny, but like, yeah, it was also. Like it's a pretty cursed, and the ending was so I was just stupid. Saying, can we talk about that terrible, terrible? Oh my ending? god! Um, so George Washington is like um, a cannibal, and the was a cannibal. Dude, He's I, I thought because yeah. he, he yeah one thing that they pointed out was like yeah you know it was it was it reminded me a lot of Ravenous yes. and the story of where it's like oh yeah there were no supplies we had to start eating people but he found that he really enjoyed it and it made him stronger so it's like okay so he became. 
a Wendigo. Yes, yeah, so you expected according that, like, to the ravenous. Sam... I expected him to be like immortal or some shit. The third would be like George Washington. Yeah, I expected him to like be there. Yeah, and they like hunt for him now because he's like cannibal daddy. But yeah, no, that wasn't to be. No. He is in fact dead. All that's left of him are his wooden teeth. His wooden teeth and um, the aroma they give. <laughs> Because oh, yeah. I do like sniff them. He sniffs them. it and like gets his nut. He does, yeah. Uh, but the main dude, he has the letter and he apparently goes public with it because it's like six months later we see him ordering Chinese food and it's being delivered. And we're like, oh no, it's gonna be do something really racist. Yeah. It's gonna be like human meat in it, isn't there? They didn't go nope, there. They order vegetarian food. Uh, that wouldn't stop them from putting human meat in it. No. Who's gonna, racist now? If they're really convinced, if they're really committed to their racism, yeah. I know it turns out it was I who was racist all along. Yes, um, no, that is entirely a sidetrack of what we're trying to talk about, which is that uh, he gets change back and it's some ones, and he like <laughs> looks at it and he's just like unfucking believable, and it's like yeah, they changed George's, and then like we see the bill and it's just George Bush on the fucking bill, but they're all just like no fucking way, and like I can't tell if especially with the wife, the wife in particular, I can't tell if it's just supposed to be like hell yeah pro bush or like this is bullshit bush because of the tone she does she's just like no fucking way oh they're just like no shit oh no shit that was yeah. it. like no shit and, and then it's you, just like are you happy or mad about I this maybe just don't know what to think yeah realities just become so absurd that of yeah. course this happened it's become a parody of itself looks at the bill and then looks straight into the camera and says, no shit is right. No shit is right. And then we cut to see the bill. And it's just like, this is such a cursed ending. Like, what <laughs> a fucking bad ending <laughs> to, like, a I mean, goofy I, show. I guess when I think about it, I can't imagine ending it any other way. Yeah. And it might be disappointing if it ended it any other yeah. way. But it, it was never episode, going to be fulfilling. In particular, plays very Tales from the Crypt. Yes. But it's like, this is like a weird little side swipe kind of thing that like <laughs> feels like it came out of fucking nowhere kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah. George Bush had like nothing to do with the, like homecoming was a direct yes. like riff on his presidency, like fuck mm-hmm. you kind of thing. And this was just like, it reminded me that he would have still been president at the time. That mm-hmm. was basically all it did. It was like, oh yeah, yeah. this was 2007. Exactly. Oh, what a doozy of an ending. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of doozy of an ending, the last uh, movie we watched was Uncle Sam from 1996. And what? <laughs> <laughs> so Uncle Sam is kind of a, a play because on, on words because we have a literal character who is the uncle to the main kid, yeah, his, his name happens to be Sam. Yeah, the uncle it is. His name is Sam. The kid's name is Jody. Yep. Which I like to think of was the Greasy Strangler. And <laughs> Jody's here. I was thinking, as far as like a boy named Jody, I was thinking more Phantasm. But yeah, uh, Greasy Strangler. Their I own. fucking forgot about that. <laughs> Long ass fingernails oh. and shit. Anyway, um, Uncle Sam, he is like I don't know MIA for a while. And they find his body in Kuwait. Yeah. And it has been, you know, he's, he's been killed in a friendly fire type incident. What I find fucking weird as shit is it sounds like he was missing for three fucking years. Yes, yeah, so it's like, where was he? And it's like, they mentioned that a storm blew dust over the helicopter right. and another storm uncovered it. It's like, so was this dude like strapped into a helicopter, burned, but not decomposing and barely alive for three fucking years? Why not? <laughs> 
I mean, why the fuck not? We accept that he comes back from the dead and yeah. just does his shit anyway. Like, there is no explanation as to why he does this. Yeah, exactly. We just kind of roll with yeah, it. Yeah, there's not even, like, you know, I mean, a, a Fox News pundit's yeah. wish. Yeah. Boy could have one wish. What would oh, it be? God. No. Yeah, this so, felt like a good companion piece to Homecoming. <laughs> yeah, did it ever. So, um, little Jody, he, he, his Uncle Sam is his hero. He wants oh to be a soldier, God. too. No, you this, kept referring to this kid as being, like, a little fascist and He is. He's a fascist little fucking bootlicker. Oh, like, he totally was. It's terrifying. Yeah. He's, he's, he feels like a slightly more subtle, slightly, so slightly more <laughs> subtle version of Patriot from Cooties. Yes. Because he's not as, he's not as, like... Overtly racist. Well, yeah, because, I mean, Patriot is extremely post-9-11, whereas this yeah. is still pretty... I, and I know also in, like, the timing, but also yeah, the characterization, right, it's, like... Uncle Sam was shot down in Kuwait, which... Yeah. Which is, um... Which, so there's still, like, you know, fuck the Middle East and fu- fuck yeah, everyone but, over there, but... But I remember in the 90s when Kuwait, specifically, mm. was such a focal point for what was going on. Okay, whereas, I, w- like, I was, like, a baby, t- so today I Today it's, like, Iran <laughs> and stuff like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, right now it's Iran. Jesus yeah. Christ. That's so, like, what is Iran going to do? Anyway, that, yeah, sorry. No more, no political commentary. Back to the movie discussion. <laughs> no political commentary. Let's now talk no, about, let's talk about political Patriot. movies. Yeah, so, um, yeah, he's like, I'm going to be a soldier like Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam said that, like, anybody who doesn't support the American way of life should be fucking, like, kicked and trampled to death or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, super fashy little kid. I love when the teacher is like, <laughs> basically admits in he's not a draft so many dodger. He's a draft dodger, and the kid's just like, "My uncle says people like you are cowards who hate America." And the kid sit down now. He's like, "Well, I didn't say that. I just said Uncle Sam said that." <laughs> so Uncle Sam's body is found. Um, this news is relayed to his family. His wife, who has obviously not knowing what's up for three years has kind of moved on yeah and it's revealed very early on that yes it's like the worst part about hearing about him being dead is it brings back these memories of like domestic abuse yeah because he was a, he was a very violent person and not yeah. just he did not just uh sublimate this violence through war he was also Cre- yeah, what did they say? He, he created a, a war in his own home mm-hmm. because it turns. It, it, we find out that his sister, who is Jody's mother, yeah. grew up as the focus of his cruelty. Yeah, and then he got married and transferred that over to his wife. Mm. So, but Jody doesn't know any of this. He just thinks no. he's this cool uncle who loves America. Blah blah blah. And so the body gets shipped back, and uh, Jody's like super into the whole thing yeah yeah he's, he keeps trying to like take a look at the corpse too he's just like yeah. they're like oh it's sealed up good because he suffered a lot and like his body's looks all like kinds shit. of fucked up and the kid's just like i want to see my favorite part is like and like he don't want, go to don't go watch tv he's like i'm not watching tv i'm in mourning <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes and plays with this fucking like gi joes oh, oh I so good line. yeah i love that line too that kid was funny yeah. scary but funny yeah and um so the 4th of July parade's coming up mm-hmm. right away, and, uh, yeah, at some point, Uncle Sam comes back to life. He starts killing people. He dresses like Uncle Sam. Uh, yeah, the, the day of the parade, the he dresses, yeah. yeah, he dresses, so yeah, I love how, he, the, like, one of the first people he kills is a peeping Tom. Yeah, dre- the Uncle Sam guy in the huge stilts, he just fucking yeah. kills him and takes F- his outfit. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, hope you got a good eyeful. Yeah. And it's like... 
comrade. <laughs> Lo- yeah, yeah, it's like low key. His, he, had a, he had a feminist gesture. <laughs> yeah, because everyone else he kills, there's these like little hints of they're somehow un-American. Yes, kind of thing. or they're they're spitting in the face of America. You have the teens who are like, I love how comical the scene with the oh teens. Oh my was. god, like, they're just like pissing in the graveyard. Yeah, and they're throwing, in the like, graveyard and they're fucking painting swastikas on the graves <laughs> while burning a flag and getting drunk and throwing the empties in Sam's empty grave. And it's just like, dude. Are you, yeah, it's just like, are you offended yet? Snowflakes? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was so much, like, it was so on the nose. And, uh, but it was hilarious just because of how on the nose mm-hmm. it was. But yeah, Uncle Sam, he goes to the parade and he just starts offing people. Like the dude who starts singing the anthem and then he does it really bad and shows his entire ass. <laughs> to the crowd. Uh, there's the the one uh, teen. She gets her face barbecued because she's smoking a J. Or she's about to. Yeah. Um, there's the corrupt politician guy who is just like, you've been like stealing and embezzling funds and you're a crook and you're shady and so he like rigs him up with fireworks to be part of the fireworks celebration (laughs) it's just like all these fucking great little set Mm -hmm. pieces that are just like so like i said they're so on the nose they are so they're pretty funny um and then there's the kid in the wheelchair who last year's celebration he was bested by some bootleg fireworks and he's all fucked up now oh yeah he can't see but he has like he, he has that, like, sixth sense can see. Yeah, I can sense Uncle Sam's presence. He's like, ah, oh, yes, Uncle Sam. Don't worry. He won't hurt me because he knows I'm Jody's friend. And they're yeah. like, what? Yeah, there, there were some weird developments. Weird fucking plot. movie, yeah. And, um, yeah, they, uh, at some point, they, the, you know, two women reveal to his mother and his aunt to reveal to Jody that he was like, yeah, your uncle was a domestic abuser piece of shit okay i love this yes. part yes so much <laughs> yes this redeemed this redeemed my little fascist yeah my little fascist um uh, what's it's because like he hears this and it's at first he's like, like he's like no no he did you know that denial yeah and, and they like, both okay. confirm it and it's just like one of those things he immediately's like i'm so sorry that happened to you and it's just like he flips like yeah. immediately realizes like wait Uncle Sam's a piece of shit, and these women are telling me that. I'll accept and I believe them. Yeah. yeah, and it's like I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't at all. either. So that was nice. That was cool. And then it's like, okay, we got to stop Uncle Sam, but he thinks yeah. we're friends, so we're gonna trick him. Yeah, because he's um, dumb as shit. The big adversary against him was this guy who lost a leg on a landmine in the war, and he's played by Isaac Hayes. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, and he's the one who had can you know told Uncle Sam all of his his glory war yeah. stories and which and then Uncle Sam ended up you know enlisting and getting killed. Yeah, and he says straight up, he's like, I regret telling this. Yeah. I owe you an apology. Because when for... Jody's like, Yeah, I don't know if I should join the Air Force, the Marines. He's like, Get those thoughts out of your head, boy. Yeah, it's. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's like so critical. Yeah, of that and it, immediately. In that yeah, and, and and he points out like this is even in the '90s. He's saying like you know back in like World War One, World War Two, we at least knew what we were fighting for and who we yeah. were fighting for, and we had a sense that like we were doing it, you know, because it was the right thing. Yeah. Whereas he's like now it's it's all like completely obfuscated. Like we don't know whose interests we're fighting for. We're told it's our own, but it's fucking not. Yeah. And, and like, don't do it. That kind of rhetoric is <laughs> throughout the whole thing. Like, yeah, and, like uh, do something draft... that saves lives, not just killing people for the sake of it. Yeah, you've got the teacher was the draft dodger, and mm-hmm. uh, he's like, when the kid asks, like, why didn't you fight in the war and all that, he straight up goes into a mini lecture on how 
on the anti-war movement, yeah. how he's like, well, I, you know, it was for me, like I was young, it was, it was Vietnam. That was the first time we were seeing the carnage. We didn't think it was a just war and we didn't think that was the best thing for us to do. And he even frames it as my abandoning of my country was the lesser of two evils. Yeah. Like that's like how the rhetoric goes. Like he's pointing out that the war interest was so fucked kind yeah of thing. but he's he's still kind of being like yeah you know I, he's, he's that virtual failure of like i but i was abandoning my country but i had to because it was the lesser of two evils yeah. and it's just like you can just say war is bad yeah <laughs> no it's too radical for but the 90s, one thing I, I love about this movie is they at no point say that uncle sam was a bad soldier yeah yeah no like, he was a great like, soldier he's like a murderer he he's he, he's a psychopath he yeah he just and then the, the um the, the veteran even tells him, he's like, because his Uncle Sam confronts him and is like, you you may, you did this to me. He's like, no, you did this because you just wanted to kill people. Yeah. You didn't enlist because you love your country, because, you know, that's all a complete facade, which it is in all of the rhetoric as well as for the country. It's like, no, it's for your fucking pocketbook. Yeah. And yeah, so it, it yeah, calls that out, which is cool. Yeah, so I, I really liked the way that the monstrous murderer who, you know, comes back from beyond the grave to continue killing and stuff, mm-hmm. is framed as, like, that's the American war machine. Yeah. That guy right there is yep. the military complex kind of thing, mm-hmm. boiled into a slasher movie villain. Exactly. And it just kind of works so perfectly, like, at that point, they don't even really need to say more on that topic. They can just get go ahead with his, like, the sort of goofy, slapsticky, almost slasher plot mm-hmm. kind of thing, because, like... It's so blunt without actually being blunt about it. It's yeah. just it's just there and I liked that about it. Me too. Um what did you think of Uncle Sam? It it was weird. Yeah. Like with these with the with the fireworks kid and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um like it, it it was goofy. It was like I didn't not enjoy it, I guess, yeah. but yeah, I, I also it, it's like not my favorite movie or anything. I felt like this one also played but like an extended Tales from the Crypt episode. It really did. And so, like, that kind of goofiness was sort of through everything we watched this week. Uh-huh. Um, which I guess was nice, because uh, given the topic, I think we could have gone a, a little heavier, but mm-hmm. I think the reason the lineup was picked this way by me was because... Because you was, picked it. Don't it was, passive voice that was, shit. <laughs> it was a bit of a head-scratcher for me, like, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what we would do for this topic. Yeah. So, um, that wasn't just I'm like, glad we at fuck least, the USA. Yeah, I'm glad we at least had fun with it. Mm-hmm. So that's, Me too. That's good. Yeah. So on that note, which, uh, recommendations should we celebrate the fourth with? Well, why don't you hit me with what you got? Yeah, I'm going to, I was thinking about the, um, cause yeah, the more I think about it, the more I did really like homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> For a lot of reasons. Yeah, because I was having trouble thinking of something, and I thought, well, let's talk about reform and electoral politics in mm-hmm. America uh, and changing the the things we disagree with through exercising our voices at the ballot box. And I'm going to go with 2016's The Purge election year. Oh, yeah. I'm interested to see what the next and or final installment of The Purge movie franchise Right. Has to wrap it all up because we'll see what happens. We'll see if electoral politics can save us. Right. That's kind of the sort of almost cliffhanger that uh, election year ends on. 
and uh, everything else has sort of been prequels to it, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Like, the Purge TV series, is it made explicit when it's running? No. Um, I can't remember if they say which which Purge, like, because usually they'll say that's the whatever annual, the first, the third, the 20th, right. the whatever annual Purge. I don't remember. Oh, okay. We probably looked this up and said it in our Purge episode, but it's been a while. Yeah. Either way, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that, because uh, Election Year really sort of sets up. Sets up this, like, oh, what, what's, fuck, what was Obama's thing? Is it change? No. Change. Change we can believe in? Something like yeah. that. It really sets up that sort of, like, Obama campaign hope, hopefulness for change. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we saw how that... And Fizzled. Yeah, how that uh, ended up being enacted, yeah. if you can say that, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm given the, uh, what has come since I... Given the social climate, it'll be... Given the climate, yeah, the, the, it's, it's the climate, man, it's just, it's, it's so fiery. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, I'm going to recommend Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. Oh, that's nice to American. And the reason I'm picking this one for an episode about America is because there's all these little things that work in it that mm-hmm. remind me of that. Like, you've got the, uh, hippie culture meets the end of the hippie culture in the in the, like, form of this murder family, mm-hmm. you have the sort of, like, good blue-collar, hard-working Southern family kind of thing going, like, with that speech, we've mentioned this before, talking about Slaughterhouse and how, yep. like, the automation has put people out of right. the industry. And you got barbecue, which oh, is, like, yeah. so American. And you have this thing. traditional family that they stick together. They have generations yeah. that they just... They're family... Yeah, so there's a lot of traditions at work, and um, I don't know, this movie feels very American in a way that's not necessarily overtly political, kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Like, it doesn't feel like it needs to be, because that's not the kind of movie. And it's Southern without enact, and and pretty white, without enacting that whole, like, Confederate flag shit, and Confederacy stuff. It's it's very, like, because that that stuff is, you know, it's like, you guys lost. So if you're American, you're kind of... Oh, it's iffy. It's a, it's, mm-hmm. it's we'll call it a liminal space. <laughs> Get academic with it. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's like no, this is this is American. Yeah. This is Texas. Yeah, America. Oh, it's a good movie too. It's like one of my favorites. Yeah, it's it's so. it's it's, it, I, it, it's 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 all right. It's a it's a decent movie. No, okay, it's, it's, it's wrap, fucking great. I love it. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening. Um, like and subscribe. Blah blah blah. All that fun bullshit. And I guess that's it. Comment, rate, whatever. Yeah. And take it easy and keep it sleazy.